Welcome to MSTAR students. We are glad you are joining for today's message. For more information about the ministry, visit our Instagram page and search MSTAR students. Now here's today's message. So it's mid-afternoon, and it's a hot afternoon. In the middle of the wilderness where no food is provided, only water. Only water and prayer. And at this point, physical weakness is starting to take place. And in this time of weakness, a lot of different things are happening. And the person needs to be, sur- be careful of their surroundings. Because in the middle of the wilderness, there's all these dangerous animals. But not just dangerous animals. Another enemy shows up. In this figure, some describe him as beautiful and wise. But he uses his beauty and wisdom for corruption. And this figure, this enemy, sees this person in his weakness and realizes, I have one shot, one shot to stop him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for every individual that is here right now. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here this evening, Lord. And I pray that it is your words and not mine that are being spoken here tonight. Lord God, I pray that, I pray that we fear the truth more than we fear man, Lord God. I pray that our hearts are humbled to you. And I thank you for your victory so we can lean on you in, in our times of weakness. We can lean to your strength and say, we are victorious because of who you are, Jesus. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Alright, so we are in week three of our series, Exploring Mark. Um, and there's, there's some new faces. If you're new, raise your hand tonight. We want to welcome you guys. Thanks for coming. We're glad that you're here. Um, I hope there were no casualties after that game, let me tell you. Great job to everyone. I know some of you got cuts, but uh, great job at the last minute of getting me. Anyways, we are in week three of our series, Exploring Mark, where we are going chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Mark. And over the last two weeks, we've been building up to the arrival of the king. And last week, we looked at the guy who was preparing the way, John the Baptist, and everyone was coming, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one we've been waiting for for 400 years? And he says, guys, no. You think what I'm doing is great, just wait. And finally, as we are in verse 9 in Mark chapter 1, we finally get a glimpse of the king who steps on the stage. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, and if you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles over there on the bookshelf. We are in Mark Chapter 1, starting at verse 9. And then it goes like this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time tonight here on the baptism of Jesus, but there are three things I want us to to recognize. First off is that Jesus identifies with the people. Jesus identifies with the people. This baptism of Jesus marks the beginning of his ministry. And while Jesus is free from sin, while Jesus will never sin, 
He still identifies with his people who go through water baptism as symbolism of their repentance of sin. Again, Jesus is free from sin because he, he is the one who is coming to save us through his life and his death on the cross. Number two, Jesus' uh, identity is revealed. Jesus' identity is revealed. See, when the Spirit of God descended on Jesus right there in that moment, he was anointed at that point as Israel's king and Messiah, which was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, which is found in Isaiah 42, verse 1. And it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So first, Jesus identifies with the people. And number two, Jesus' identity is revealed as the King and Messiah. And number three, we see Jesus' eternal relationship with the Father is confirmed. When the voice of the Father comes down and says, Behold, this is my Son, which I am pleased. This confirms the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. And we also see here in time, for the first time, the Trinity taking place. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now that's a sermon in itself, and I don't have time to explain about it. But, just know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are involved right there. And so now that Jesus is confirmed as the Messianic King, the King who is coming to save His people, He's ready for battle. He's ready to battle for His kingdom and to save the lives of the people He loves. And we see, in, starting in Mark 1, verse 12, and it reads this, The Spirit immediately drove Him out into the wilderness, and He was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was, in the, he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. So that beginning scene that I just set up, this is where we're at now. Jesus is, by the will of God, immediately put into the wilderness because it is God's will to see Jesus not be tempted from sin. And so he's out in the wilderness for 40 days. I don't know, how many of you participated in our fast a few weeks ago? All right, I don't know what you guys fasted from, but Rachel and I fasted from food for a week. And that was tough enough. <laughs> I don't know what it was like for 40 days. Imagine, he's in the wilderness, all these dangerous animals. It is hot, and he's praying and relying on the Lord. He's got water. The only thing, those are the only things he's leaning into at that point. And the prince, the enemy, Satan... Thinks he's got a weak point. He's like, ah, I've got him. And for us to get a better understanding of what happens between Satan and Jesus, we need to turn to the book of Matthew. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, turn left and you'll see Matthew. Find Matthew chapter 4. And this is where we're going to go to see in regards to the um, conversation, this battle that happens between Jesus and and Satan. And so it is recorded three. There are three recorded temptations. But that doesn't mean he was only recorded three or he was tempted three times, if that makes sense. We have three recorded temptations here, but that doesn't mean he was only tempted three times in his forty days. There could have been more at this point. So go to Matthew 
chapter 4, and we read the first temptation. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second temptation, starting at verse 5. Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the final temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So we see this battle here, and we see the three different temptations, which we will talk about right now. So the yeah, in the Bible. I didn't, I didn't explain them yet. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We'll explain them right now. So the first temptation is personal desire. Okay? Personal desires. See, Satan here is tempting Jesus to use his power to bring self-desire to him, meaning food. Satan knew, oh, you're hungry? You haven't been eating for such a long time. Why don't you use your powers to turn these stones into bread if you're the Son of God? And you probably should highlight, underline, and circle that when, when Satan says, if you're the Son of God, because he's saying, oh, prove yourself. If you're truly the Son of God, prove yourself. And... You know, culture today, it teaches this, like, hey, if you desire something, just go get it. You desire to do something, just go do it. That's very damaging. Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever been angry before? <laughs> How many of you have ever been angry, angry to the point that you wanted to kill someone? Now, what if you actually went on that desire and decided to kill someone? No. Right, right, exactly. So that'd be a bad, be a bad idea. So there's one point right there. How about angry? Anyone ever? I just said angry. Um, <laughs> um, has anyone ever wanted something that you never had before? Like you see someone they have something, you're like, oh man, I wish I had that. Now, now, what if because your desire was so strong, you stole that item from someone? Have you ever? Right? My point again is if you went off your desires, that would be wrong. How about a third one? Maybe for some of you who are a little bit older and looking into the dating world. No. Hold on, buddy. <clears throat> There's that desire of lust. The world, culture today tells you, you don't have to wait till marriage. You know what? This, this book, this 1,000, 2,000-year-old book, that's out of date. 
It doesn't understand our culture today. Just go ahead and do it. See, it's very damaging when we take our personal desires, want to fill our kingdoms in a sense, and not trust and obey in who Jesus is and going after His desires. And we need to recognize this, that Jesus Christ is the only one we need and the only one who can supply our needs. Second temptation we saw was manipulation. The second temptation we saw was manipulation. We see Satan here using the word of God to manipulate, using, manipulating the word of God so he can go to Jesus and say, you can justify to jump off this. Scripture says this. And that same manipulation happens 2,000 plus years later. Let me give you an example. There's a group of people out there, and this doesn't mean to offend anyone, but we live in a culture where people get offended easily. There's, um, there's a group of people out there who will use Scripture to justify same-sex relationships and same-sex marriages. And I'll read you the Scripture that they twist to, to justify the action. And it's from 1 Samuel 18.1. And it says this, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knitted to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. See, people will use that word love right there and justify it means, oh, Jonathan and David had a sexual relationship. Here you go. That justifies same-sex marriage. When in reality, the word love there means a brotherly love. It doesn't give an example of same-sex marriage. It gives, a rela- it gives an example of what true friendship in a biblical term should be all about. And this is very important for us who call ourselves Christians, who proclaim the Word of God, who proclaim to be obedient to this King Jesus, to not only know the Word, but to understand the context of what's going on so we can defend the truth of the, world, of the Word in today's culture. I'm curious where the Bible says same-sex marriage is wrong, though. So if you are in your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16 in the heading, it says, Keep in step with the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fit of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that does word it in a way that makes it seem like those same-sex relationships are their choice. There are a lot of people who I talk to in particular who Obviously, it's not, it's not in a way that they're doing those actions in rebellion. 
but in a way that they can't think of another person of the same sex, no, the opposite sex, but uh, as attractive. They aren't interested at all, like, personally. They can't have a relationship with that person. Would that completely exclude them from being godly in his eyes? I saw another hand up. I saw another hand up. Go ahead. I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? I couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Um, if you have like a family member or a friend who's like, how do you look at them? Do you think that they're just they know who they are? Or do you just not accept it? So, are, so are you, in, in context of your question, are you asking how we should treat them at that point? How I personally would treat them? Well, I'll be honest. I, I have friends that are gay, and I, I love them. You, you know, I, I, I love I love them in a friendship way, and I may not agree with their choices. Why do you say that? No, but if you're a person and you're attracted to the opposite sex, sometimes it's not we're not just telling. Hey, and by the way, I, I want to, I, let, me, let me just say this as you guys asking questions. I'm glad that you're asking these questions, to be honest, because these are the tough questions that no one wants to address anymore. Amen. See, the, this is in culture where people are like, oh, we stay away from that. I can't really answer that to you. And then we, sometimes we get really judgy and we get really, some people out there will get really irritable and mad that you're even asking these questions. I'm so glad that you're asking these questions. You know why? Because that, that shows to me that you're intrigued, that you want to learn, and you're trying to figure out, okay, why, why do you believe what I believe? And I want to understand, like, where you're coming from as well. So I want to let you guys know I love you guys for these questions, and we're just going to go from there. So Romans chapter 1. And we're just going to read it. <clears throat> Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including, who, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be, the, be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Longing to go, go to Rome. <clears throat> First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may, not, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, faith by yours and mine. I do, not want to, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended you to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, <clears throat> both to the wise and to the foolish. I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against unallgodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the, God, the, glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their woman exchanged natural relations to those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with whom and were consumed with the passion for one another. Men commit, committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with, with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are all full of envy, murder, strife, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, in, insolent, haughty, boastful, investors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Turn to me, if you have a Bible, to Genesis. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2. Starting from the beginning, chapter 2, seventh day, God rests. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rests from all his works that he had done in creation. These are the generations, sorry, the heading reads, the creation of man and woman. These are the generations of, of the heavens and the earth where they were created. And the day of the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to wrath on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and the, was watering the whole face of the ground. 
Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in the Eden, in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to the water got to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. <clears throat> I'm just grabbing water. I'm not finished. <clears throat> the name of the first is is the Fishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedalum and oxen stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of the Assyrian. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was no, not found a helper fit for him. Emphasizing these next verses here. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so, here's what I'm going to say, and then we can talk about this more. You you guys can talk about it in small groups. We can talk about it more one-on-one because I want to have these conversations. You're fine. No, hey, this is God's plan. All right. If this is something that everyone wants to talk about, we'll get there. Okay. In the beginning, if if you believe that God is relevant, which I, I believe God is relevant, and there are people in here that believe God is relevant, we believe that God created man and woman, and we believe that God created them to be one. And then we just read in Romans a little bit beforehand that Paul is saying that those who do not believe that God is relevant, they 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 will act according to their personal desires, which we just talked about, that Jesus was tempted to act upon his own personal desire, and he said no to that. And so the question I'm going to ask you, for those who are new, and asking this question is the same question I asked everyone last week, is who is Jesus Christ to you? There are some people in here, and you may be one of them, who, who think Jesus doesn't exist. You may think that this Bible is a fairy tale, and what we're preaching, we're a little crazy in here. Some of you may think that he was just a man of good prophet, good, good, good wisdom, and things like that, but you may not also think it's relevant to today. Maybe some of it is, but maybe not all of it. 
But there's some of us in here, like myself, my leaders, and some of the other students in here, who truly believe that Jesus Christ was King and Messiah. That He died for our sins. He knew that we could never earn our way to heaven. That we are sinful. That we could not be in communion with a perfect God. And so Jesus Christ came down, lived a perfect life, died for our sins, so we can be in perfect. So we can one day be in communion with our perfectly our perfect and heavenly father and so i I will pose the question to you again who is jesus to you and i'm not looking for you to give me the right answer i want you to honestly think about it want you to pray about talk about it in your small groups i don't know who's in your small group i think stacy will probably be but and lydia but we'll have these conversations and if you want to talk to me more about it afterwards I'd love to have the conversation. I want to thank you for asking these questions. Let me just wrap up with the third thing. Uh, the, third, the third temptation was that there are other gods. That there were other gods that Jesus, I'm sorry, that Satan was trying to say that he was a god. And he tried to, to finagle it in a way that, hey, I have all authority in the world, but in reality, that's a, that's a, a lie. God, the Father, has all authority in the world, not Satan. And one of the things that we're taught is that, especially today, that there's all these roads to heaven. You know, you can, you can believe in Buddha, you can believe in Muhammad, you can, you, you can save yourself and you yourself can go to heaven. Let me, let me ask you this question. If all roads lead to heaven, why was Jesus picked to be killed? Like, think about it. Like that, that's like a sick joke. If all, if all roads lead to heaven, hold on a second. If all roads lead to heaven, why was Jesus the one that had to be picked to die? You know? Like, that's a, that's a cruel joke. Hey, you know what? We, all these roads lead, but Jesus, you're the one that's going to die. No. Jesus died because He is the truth and the light, and He is the only way to God the Father. And again, it goes back to the question last week that I said, who is Jesus to you? And another question I'm going to ask you guys tonight is, where am I giving in to temptation? Where am I giving in to temptation at this point? Cindy, because I gave everyone else a chance to ask questions, you had a question. What's up? Um, I it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So let me do this. I'm going to... I'm going to end in closing us in prayer. And we're going to take some time to go into our small groups. Um, again, for those who are asking these questions, I, I really appreciate them. Thank you for, for challenging us, challenging some of our students in here. I think this is the first time maybe some of them have experienced like conversation like this ever. Think about that. This is the first time ever some of our students have been challenged. And I thank you for that, because that allows us to defend why we believe what we believe. But we also want to hear from you guys why you believe what you believe. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight, Lord. God, this was not my plan, but this was your plan, Lord Jesus. Hmm. Holy Spirit, I, I thank you for those that have been in attendance tonight, Lord. I thank you for the tough questions. More importantly, I also thank you. I thank you for being victorious for us, Lord God. 
I thank you for not giving in to temptation when Satan easily gave it to you. He gave you the opportunity to give in, and you said no to Satan. You said, no, I will not bow down and worship you. No, I will not turn these stones into bread. No, I will not jump off this cliff to prove that I am the Son of God. What I am going to do is I am going to go to the cross for the people I love to prove that I am the Son of God. (sighs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you have poured on us, Lord God. And God, we in a, in a world in a world where the enemy is trying to blind us at this time before you come again, Lord God. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you just rip the blinders off. I pray you rip the blinders off our eyes, that you rip the blinders off our heart, Lord God. And I pray that we never get embarrassed of proclaiming the true gospel of who you are, Jesus. I pray as disciples. Those who claim to be disciples, claim to be obedient followers to you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we surrender our, our lives to you, Lord God. And I pray for every student in here, I pray for every leader, and I pray even for myself, Lord God. If there are chains of temptation that need to be broken, I pray that they're broken. If there's fear in people's lives, whether it's fear of man, fear of speaking... Fear of just having a conversation of, about you, Jesus. I pray for that fear to bow to your name, Lord God. I pray for healing to happen into, into the lives of people. And I pray. I pray for hope. I pray that we can put our hope and our trust in you for who you are, Jesus. And I pray over our small group conversations tonight. I pray that they... I pray that they go according to your will. I pray that we can have these candid and crucial conversations in a loving way, not in a derogatory way, not in a way of bashing people, in a way that we can just have a loving conversation and say where we're coming from. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in my life, the leaders' lives, and these student lives to defend your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. We hope you're encouraged and equipped by this message. For more messages like these, download the Spotify app and search M-Star Students Ministry. Have a great week, and we hope you join us again.